to Nerds at the Round Table, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, Sammy, I want you to do the honors. What are we reviewing? Uh, we are looking at Solo, a Star Wars story. Well, so, I'm not looking at it currently. I looked at it yesterday. Okay. So, so if we're doing this solo, why is everybody on here? Shouldn't it just be one of us? Well, I'll say something interesting. If uh, if we're looking at solo and, and Sam saying currently, this is a revisit for me and Jamie. This was our very first ever attempt at a podcast, which was an absolute train wreck. And guys, I hope you appreciated noticed on our show notes. I put at least now we have a plan. <laughs> at least now we kind of have a direction instead of sitting down and just trying to have an open discussion, which turned absolutely crazy but yes uh, solo a star wars story yeah i've i've uh, revisited this thing a couple times over the last couple weeks uh, not super recent but this is a fave of mine Dwayne never yeah. does show prep like he does for star wars episodes <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I was yeah, listening i was got... pretty deep on con i was pretty i was pretty prepared I'll i even you... watched yeah. the old school episode I've got, I've got to throw this in, though. So, you know, this is a redo for Solo for you guys. But remember, before, you all had invited me to be on Solo the first time. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Jamie had sent me a message and said, hey, listen, we're thinking about doing this podcast. Would you want to do something like Solo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, and, and I, I was always so, cool with having you on, Sam. I wasn't so, aware of so that, we, maybe, so to speak. But, yeah, so um, we finally just be glad you weren't there. Just be glad you weren't there. <laughs> I have blocked out a lot of memories around that night. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was, it was, was definitely interesting. There, there was, what, like a three-hour episode or something like that? Yeah, it, in like 15-minute chunks, because we couldn't figure <laughs> out how to expand the recording times, because we were using GarageBand. <laughs> it was a mess. Oh... Yeah, but like what's not a mess is Solo the movie. Um, and I I mean, I don't want to spoil my grade yet because we haven't done that yet. But like, I, I think it's a travesty that this movie was such a bomb at the theaters because it is mm. such a good movie. I mean, it is. I mean, we our first try at this review was a mess. And I think our opening might be a little bit of a mess this evening. <laughs> but this is a great movie. And I just think it's so sad that it's it's gotten lost. And We'll probably never get the sequels. They were clearly saying that. I just think that's sad. Yeah, this movie was very ill received, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of it has already been discussed uh, between us. You know, with it being really so close to the Last Jedi and just another Star Wars movie in general, but also such a controversial Star Wars movie. And then you had the controversy with directors. You had Lord and Miller. You know, the famous Lego uh, directors. You know trying to make this into a comedy kind of uh, they were referring to Ace Ventura. They were kind of referring to American Pie, you know, these, these kind of crass things. And, you know, that, that maybe could work in star Wars, but not with Han Solo and in this city, no. you know, um, it, it would, it would definitely have to be a special place. I see Jamie shaking his head vigorously and I said, you know, it could work in star Wars, but just not in this city. So Sam, yeah, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts? Okay, you know, this was one of those movies that I was so excited about, okay? When it comes to original trilogy, 
Han Solo was always my favorite. Hands down was my favorite character. I never understood why Harrison Ford hated the character. I was like, I love this character, right? But I grew up reading the Brian Daly novels. Han Solo, It Stars In, Han Solo's Revenge, Han Solo and the Lost Legacy. I read A.C. Crispin's Han Solo trilogy. Anything I found with Han in, I read. Mm-hmm. So I was really looking forward to this movie to see what they did with it. And it is a fun movie. It is an exciting movie. I think in some some aspects, as we'll talk about, you know, I feel like it, they went a little too far with it. If they would have dialed it back a little bit, I really think it maybe would have been received a little bit better by worldwide audiences, you know, but also just maybe been a little bit stronger movie in comparison with the others. Um, You want to give a grade now? That's that's how like opening thoughts to me. Yeah, that was that was pretty on the opening thoughts. (laughs) The the only other thing I do want to get into with with Sam, with Sam's discussion talking that you know wish it would have been better received i think a lot of that you know i know i'd spoke about the the tone that, that the movie was rumored to take in the in the situation with the directors um i think that really turned a lot of people off um, and and made them scared to to give this a shot in the theater um but yeah so jamie let's start with your grade what are we looking at here um well i i mean i think like sammy said this movie is a ton of fun I mean, it yeah. is a blast, and I'm smiling the whole way through. Um, it's, this movie's got a really good heart about it. I mean, there's just a just a good. I get. I don't know. I, I smile the whole time, and I just I have such goodwill toward the movie. But it's flawed. I mean, there's. I mean, there's some stuff. I mean, I'm an old man, but I've heard the kids talk about things being extra. This movie's extra in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean. I mean, they're 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 connecting a lot of dots. They just like guys, just relax. It's okay. We get it. It's Han Solo. We don't have to know where every single detail of his you know character and experience happened in this four day stretch or whatever it is. So, I mean, it's got some flaws, and it was clearly a setup to a story that we're never going to get the resolution to. Right. Um, and so that that kind of hurts it. I'm going mm-hmm. B plus, but. It's as positive a B plus as you can possibly be. I really love this movie. Flaws and all, I mean, it's just such fun and such just a good-hearted, you know, thrill ride. I mean, kind of, kind of like a smile roller coaster. I, I just I really enjoy this movie, but it is flawed. You know, I guess I'm going to kind of echo Jamie. I gave it a B plus also, and it, it wasn't, you know because it was bad or it wasn't anything like that, you know, but it's, it's a solid B plus movie. It does have its flaws, but it's one of those that, you know, you can eat your popcorn and just laugh and smile all the way through it. You know, it's that kind of movie. So this is a pop to me, a popcorn movie. Yeah. There's not a lot of depth to it. It's just an enjoyable movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You can pick and choose some scenes. You don't have to maybe stay so hardcore focused into this as with some of them. Um, I, I definitely see the popcorn aspect. I definitely see the fun aspect of it. Um, until this week, this movie would have been a solid A for me with with Star Wars uh, in the title. Uh, but there was, there was, I guess I saw some of these flaws that you guys are talking about with the, with the extra, you know, quote unquote attitude that it had. And 
uh, you know, Ron Howard came in and had to, you know, pick up a lot of stuff because this movie was reportedly quite a bit of the way through production. And and I guess I noticed some of those um, flaws, some of those attitudes like, OK, they kind of had to shoehorn this in. This really doesn't match the tone of the rest of the movie, but it's kind of a funny scene. You know, and some of those scenes that could have been funny fell kind of flat because of that, I think. So uh, we're going A minus. Uh, just just for the okay. simple fact that Star Wars in the title. Um, I, I can't go into B territory right now. <laughs> but uh, but we're going A minus. The holiday special's coming. Life. The holiday special is coming, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, I was... Be warned. I was, I was actually we'll get, we'll get thinking... to give a Star Wars movie not an A. I was actually thinking about that today as I was uh, driving around uh, for work and uh, just a little behind the scenes. I was about... 40 minutes late for recording uh, just because I just got off work. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, so uh, we have a B plus from Jamie, B plus from Sam and an A minus from Dwayne. So those are our grades guys. Anything else we want to talk about uh, on our opening thoughts or uh, breaking out these grades before we get into our fan and pan sections. Well, I, I just want to, I've got one last comment. Um, I know this is, I think this is the lowest grades that Sammy or I have given a Star Wars movie so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it wasn't well received. It didn't make any money. It was the first, you know, Star Wars flop. But I think it's a worthy addition to the Star Wars, you know. Yeah, definitely. It, it belongs there. And so I just, I mean, I, I, I hate that, that the nonsense that's been thrown its way. Yeah. And as an introduction to our beloved character, Han Solo. I mean, they really, I felt they nailed the character of Han. You know, Alden Ehrenreich is not a spitting image. He's not even as tall as Harrison. But I I think he carries off the swagger that Han portrays, even though it's still a potential swagger. He hasn't got there yet. And I think he does a beautiful job of that. So let's go ahead and take a break. I and think then, he started with fanning already. I know, well, that's why, I'm, that's why I'm stopping. So let's go ahead and take our break, and we will be back with our fan and pan sections. Willcon, September 28th at the Southside Mall in South Williamson, Kentucky, featuring special guest Christine Thompson, lead writer of Destiny 2 and Star Trek Online. Come out for a day of creativity celebrating all things pop culture, video games, board and card games, cosplay, comics, and a host of other media and art. That's September 28th at the Southside Mall, South Williamson, Kentucky. All right, let's come back and give some fan awards, fannies. I'm not sure what we call this. Probably not fannies. (laughs) Uh, I'll only let you call it fannies if there's a pack to go with it. Uh, we need to work on our tra- – we'll workshop that terminology. Um, who wants to go first? What what are, what are you really passionate about? What did you fan out on this? You know, I want to kind of jump in, and, and I'm going to kind of – kind of I guess play off of what Dwayne was saying. You know, Alden Ehrenreich nailed this part. He was Han Solo. Mm-hmm. He – had the mannerisms down, even down to the run. You know, Harrison Ford has a very distinctive run, okay? 
it looks like he's in pain most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron Rock did that. He had that same movement. You saw the brave and dashing and daring, you know, solo that we get eventually, who has rotten luck, Mm -hmm. right? But he's still a very naive character right now. And I like the growth arc that we see. And I think that was something they really put into place well. It's a shame they didn't get to follow through on that. Truly. Because I... Because I really feel like the, the, I think this is supposed to be a trilogy. This is my understanding, right? Yeah. And I really feel like we were going to watch him get crushed, like like at that, the end of the movie where he has this battle with Bacon and he just go he just shoots like automatically, doesn't hesitate. I think we're starting to see this slide there to where it becomes the bitter, jaded guy where he's not where he's not having yeah. a good feeling about things anymore. He's having the bad feeling about everything. Yeah. And, uh, and we didn't get to see that. So I think it's, I mean, as, as great as the, the performance is, and that, that was my first fan too. I, Alden Ehrenreich steals the show. I mean, he's fabulous in this movie. But I, I just think it's sad too that we don't get to see him him play that out. And, uh, but it's amazing too. I, I went back just to, instead of curiosity, see so what else he had done. His IMDb page, man. I mean, I don't know how they found this kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very, very, uh, not a lot of experience going into this. And if I'm not mistaken, Spielberg come across this guy at a bar mitzvah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was even, yeah, if, if I'm not mistaken, if you dig wow. into it a little bit, I think it was like one of these, one of these personal connections that was made, you know, like the, the legendary story of Daniel Radcliffe coming out of the theater and the casting director for Harry Potter saying, Oh my God, you can be Harry Potter, you know, that I guess that, uh, you know, Spielberg just like, wow, this kid's really cool. Let's look into him for something. And, you know, he really did grab a hold of the character essence of Solo and really brought that. I mean, I can't echo that enough. How much I bought him as Han. And like Jamie yeah. was talking about and Sam, the character arc that we have, even in this movie, however small it is, it could have yeah. been so much more. Because you see him just as this bright eyed, we're going to take this coaxium and we're going to go take over the world, you know. And he, he's got nothing but a handful of junk and a dream. Yeah. Yeah. And he's you know, ready I'm, to take on, you know, he's like Dak. He's ready to take on the whole empire. Yeah, definitely. But by the end, I mean, you, you can see him kind of die a little inside when Kira flies away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when. I mean, and, and this is after Bacon has betrayed him, and you can see him starting to crack. I mean, the hope is starting to die. Yeah, and, you know, the love he maintained th- for her, you know, because, uh, what's it, three years he, uh, from the time they're split up there in the, in the, the spaceport on uh, Corellia, which in the expanded universe, Corellia is, uh, you know, a, 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 a place <laughs> that makes the yep. Exactly. It's, it's about ten minutes in. <laughs> So uh, you know, it's well, the, the, the Falcon is a Corellian yeah, stock So they're, they're right. it's it's the Detroit of Star Wars, and you know, they make these hot rod cars, and so yeah. they're trying to get out of the slums here. And he maintains his love and dedication for her, even when he's in the mud, even when he's you know, he winds up on Beckett's yacht and he runs into her. She's like, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "I was trying to get back to you. What are you doing here?" You know. You know, I think, oh yeah, you know, and I think another fan part of this is, you know, we were talking about, you know, some of the characters, whether it be Kira 
uh, or Beckett. Paul Bettany was just great as Dryden Voss. I liked him. I liked Paul Bettany anyway. So putting him in this movie, I think, was a good movie, personally. I think one of my favorite parts of that story about this movie is like he was not supposed to be Dryden Voss. Like it was a full CGI character. And apparently when Ron Howard saw the footage of what they had filmed with that character, he was like, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And so they, so everything with Dryden Voss was refilmed like very late in the game with Paul Bettany just kind of showing up like, like, Hey, Paul Bettany's available. Let's do this thing. Yeah. I love (laughs) his, um, you know, his character. I, I've not seen Paul Bettany and I think a bad role. He, he always sells at things. I've seen him in bad movies. I've never seen him be bad. Be bad. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. I've never seen him do a bad job. Yeah. That's, that's more apt, you know, and you're talking about the characters, the development of the characters, even Dryden Voss, even when Woody Harrelson's character, Beckett, uh, Kira, Amelia Clark, that we don't really have, uh, you know, experience with in the Star Wars universe. These are all whole cloth characters. They were developed yeah. very well, I thought. Um, you know, you, you, their stories are you know, enticing. Their stories are entertaining. And you love the characters. I mean, I was heartbroken when Beckett lost uh, Dandy Newton, you know, uh, her character. I've got it pulled up here. Um, Val, uh, you know, they, their relationship was really, really cool. It wasn't me this time. It wasn't you. So I don't know. Yeah, it was me. Sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was looking. My pop-ups are all gone. That was me. <laughs> Sam, do you need to take your allergy medicine tonight? <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. No, that, that's okay. That was, that was my next pan. Uh, not pan. I'm not paying anything yet. Uh, that was my next fan thing. Um, is this this cast just in general as a whole? I mean, I don't know what Lord Miller were filming, but when they were casting, they were geniuses. They scored. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I've never watched Game of Thrones, but Amelia Clark is she's amazing in this movie. I mean, just the the subtle the subtle things she has to do, the things of you know that when she has to show moments of regret over the things she had to do to get off Corellia and to survive in Crimson Dawn. I mean, she just really portrays that. And um, Donald and, Glover. And how she goes from confident to terrified in an instant yeah. with, with the thought of crossing Beckett. Yeah. And, or not I mean, Beckett. Harrelson's good at everything. Yeah, Woody Harrelson's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he just he just rolls out of bed and he's awesome. I mean, he doesn't have to like, I mean, he's like, before his teeth are brushed, he's already awesome. But I mean, <laughs> um, I've got, I've got some, we're going to get there. I'll, I'll hold off. We're not in the pan section yet. I mean, by and large, the lady that does L3's voice, I found out today, I was doing research today, she was on set in like a green suit with some of yep. the armor stuck to her. Mm-hmm. And so huh. she was on set with, with, the, with the cast. I mean, she did a great job. I didn't realize how much of the body acting she had done. Right. But uh, yeah, it makes sense why L3 feels like such a presence. Yeah, that was a very interesting character uh, all around, and, and uh, you know that sets some of my stuff a little bit later. Um, and even the the recasting of Chewbacca, you know, with, uh, with I believe Peter Mayhew was still alive at this time, but unable to perform these these f- physical things with uh, Jonas Satumo, I believe, yeah, uh, who I'm not is, even and he uh, 
he's <laughs> he's just a really cool guy. We uh, we follow him on Instagram, and and he just seems just such a great heart as as a you know follower of the Chewbacca role you know, that Peter uh, has established. Well, I, I love that he was so excited about the role that he learned how to make Wookiee sounds. Like a <laughs> yeah. lot of a lot yes. of the Chewie things in the movie are him doing or it. I him. Just thought, oh yeah, oh yeah. And you know, Sammy, we have I'm to... sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, buddy. go ahead, Sam. Oh no, no, no! I was just going to say, you know, he is—he has become very similar to what Peter Mayhew was—that great ambassador mm-hmm. for Star Wars. I mean, even to the point that, you know, he's bringing his son into this and and letting his son experience all of this, you know, talking about following him on Instagram and such. You know, he's always posting pictures at conventions and he's got his family there and he just always looks so excited about the whole process. And I think that comes across in his portrayal of Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah, It, it truly does. It truly is. I, I know he's inside a giant carpet. I mean, you can really, I mean, I, you can feel his interactions with uh, Alton Ehrenreich. I mean, they've got a real, I mean, despite the fact he's in this giant suit, he's got a real chemistry with, mm-hmm. with Alton Ehrenreich. And it's just, it's it's fun. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I, I want to speak also to uh, Donald Glover as Lando. This guy got the dude <laughs> to, to swing the cape. Uh, he grabbed this role and owned it and uh just uh, he really impressed me as as lando with his portrayal i was not a fan of him as simba in the lion king uh, remake so much but uh, he he done great as lando i think when when disney starts admitting they're not making live action movies anymore they're making cgi movies and calling them live action i'll watch that movie (laughs) i refuse to watch it until they admit what they're doing well, I was kind of voted. <laughs> I was kind of voted down. I had some huge Lion King fans in the house here, and uh, I'm not saying I was forced, but uh, but I was not the prime voter for this movie. <laughs> well, um, oh. I, I, didn't to, I didn't mean to lead us off there, but Donald Glover will come back up again later in this episode. I've I've got thoughts. Oh yeah, most definitely. Okay. Um, you know, once again, kind of going to casting, you know, even though it's a small role and it's really just kind of for the first beginning of the movie, uh, Rio, you know, Rio Durant and John Favreau is the voice. So here is John Favreau again, people. This man loves Star Wars. I mean, he does. He's been in the Clone Wars. He's been in Solo. He's doing Man, you know, the Mandalorian. This man loves Star Wars, and so you know, every time I see him, I'm so excited that he is at, at the helm of the Mandalorian. And I loved his part here. He just had such that that humor that that you know he brings to Happy, you know, in the Iron Man and the Avengers movies. He kind of brings that here also, you know, and it, and I think it translates well with this CGI character. In all honesty, yeah, I thought the Rio, uh, the character of Rio, was very interesting uh, as portrayed by John Favreau. I, one thing that did bother me was was his pronunciation of uh, Wookie. It's not a Wookie. <laughs> You've never, you've never slept more Sally in a Wookiee's lap. <laughs> you know, when he's, when he's talking about bringing uh, Chewie and the Hall on, on the crew. Uh, and I love his banter. You know, this kid's growing on me, you know, things with, when they're uh, trying to get off planet. Hey, after... hey, hey, Dwayne. Yeah. Where are we from? 
I don't think we're allowed to criticize people's accents. Well, this is true. <laughs> I can't. I'm not criticizing his accent. I'm criticizing his uh, pr- pronunciation. It's it's a, not a it's it's like a cookie. It's a Wookie cookie. It's not well, a Wookie. He did cookie. it all for the Wookie, didn't he? I'm, I'm just saying. I've I've heard myself recorded a lot lately. Between the two podcasts I'm on, I've heard too much of my own voice. I know what I sound like. I yeah. stop criticizing people. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and and you know, he probably done that because of the uh, the species. You know, the different languages across the galaxy. And there's a lot of different, a lot of the detail in this movie I really enjoyed. Uh, you know, because there's there's more than you realize. Uh, you know, from going from I really enjoyed seeing Corellia on screen for the first time. Reading about it in the expanded universe, all the lore around it. You get to see it on screen for the first time. And it's and it's just as dirty and grimy as, as you hoped it would ever be. Yeah, I mean it was it was basically a huge industrial planet, so so that was cool. It's the dirty version of Coruscant. Yeah, this yeah, is true. honestly. It, it was you know, think about it. It very much was modeled after, you know, reminded you of a lot of like the foundry sections of Coruscant that we saw. You know, a lot of the architecture was very similar. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little kind of refrain that came in. I, I kind of pictured like a blending of like um, like the, the Pittsburgh after like a lot of the steel mills were closing. Yeah. And the yeah. Detroit and like in Robocop kind of stuff. Right. I mean, it was. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do want to say like I know Ron Howard is an ex- I mean, he's not most famous for like you know super you know special effects type movies or whatever. I I thought they looked great in this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the car chase at the beginning, um, everything in uh, through the Kessel Run. I, I thought it looked great. I mean, this is a small. I'm not trying to go too far on my fans here. I know we're probably trying to move on now, but I thought this movie looked great when it was time for like the special effects to look good. They looked really good. Yeah, they they looked phenomenal, uh, but I don't think Ron Howard really had to worry about that. I think the Disney money was in place. <laughs> I think Ron Howard's strength here was bringing the heart of these characters because I think you know just like Irvin um, uh, Kershner with Empire, the heart of that movie is what drives it. You know, the effects are great. Yoda's great. But you have to believe in the characters before you're going to care about what's happening to them on screen. You've got to believe in that. Um, a couple, uh, another fan I want to get into. Uh, Sam, what did you think about Kessel? You know, I'll talk more about that later. But okay. for me, it was <laughs> a payoff. You know, it, yeah. it, no, it's like this. You know, we talk about this idea of, you know, Jamie mentioned the idea of this movie being extra, okay? Mm-hmm. There's some of the extra that falls into my fan. Yeah. There's some of the that falls into my pan, all right? <laughs> and, and so it feels it, it, it feels weird when I go, I was really excited to see Hans die, okay? I was really excited to see how the Blast Tech DL-44 got, got in his hands. I was excited yeah. to see the Kessel Run, yeah. But there's other things that that's that fan service extra that mm-hmm. falls into my pants. Kessel, I will admit, is in my fans. Um, and like I said, when we get the awards, 
that that one shows up a little bit. So I'll go ahead and kind of give a <laughs> preview there. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I think, I think we're going to be kind of heavy. Yeah, I think we're going to be kind of heavy on awards, but there's so much cool in this movie. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, let's go ahead if you guys are uh, just move on into our pan section. And I know there was a lot of different directions this movie was supposed to go in, could have went in, and was grabbed at the edge and maybe pulled back from. So let's maybe talk about some of those. Uh, who who wants to start out with our pan section? Well, I, I'll go first. I've got a follow up. Um, I've got a really different opinion. One of your fans is something I didn't enjoy in this movie. Okay. Um, I love Donald Glover. I really do. I think he's an incredibly talented person. Um, I've loved him since he was on Community. I'm a big fan. Um, but I feel like he takes. Uh, Lando too far in this movie. Like he's turned like Lando stops being a character and becomes a caricature. Um, and he doesn't, I mean, he's, he's not a real person in this movie. Like he's, he's all the jokes we've made about Billy D Williams for, you know, 30 years, you know, in a cape. <laughs> but, you, but, but you know what? I think that's it. I think you definitely hit it. Alden Ehrenreich is being Han Solo and he, and he's believable. Glover is trying to be Billy D and I don't <laughs> think anybody can be Billy D but yeah. Billy D you know what I'm saying I mean it's that yeah. kind of thing that's you know, true after after we see Rise of Skywalker we see how Billy D's acting as Lando then we're really going to have something to compare this to <laughs> so but you know he has to be so over the top in those situations he truly has to be just this little larger than life legendary character, almost a caricature of himself. It's about, I think that Billy Dee did it in a really subtle way. Like Billy Dee just walked in the room and was the coolest guy in the room. He didn't have to do much. Oh, yeah. Right. And Donald yeah. Glover is having to like, well, this is know, still Lando on the way him. up. Yeah, this is still Lando on his way up to owning his own city, you know, uh, Cloud City here. Uh, you know, this is Lando working his way up. You know, he's not the administrator yet. You know, even Han tells him, "Look at you being all respectable." <laughs> I, I think it's a little much. I mean, we're going with the theme of extra. There's a lot of extra coming off of Donald. Oh, Weber's there is a lot of extra. Oh, it's oh, well, his, and it's not. It's not just him. It's, it's I'm not a fan for his subtlety. Yeah, I'm not a fan of him for his subtlety. <laughs> I'm a fan for his over the top. Like, yeah, but they, they, like, I mean, there's like a scene in like Empire where like Billy D's got a cape on, mm -hmm. and so like, so he's got a cape room in this movie, a whole room <laughs> of just capes. They put out a fire with his cape, and he freaks out because they use his special edition cape to do it. I mean, it's, it's just, custom it's a made. Little... It was custom made. Yeah, that was a custom job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a little extra. Yeah. And I think all that's right. what that character needed here. So let's let's move on now. What else do we have, gentlemen? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out kind of kind of a, a flip side pan, right? Now I told you I am a fan of Paul Bettany. I loved him in this role. What I couldn't figure out was what in the world was up with the makeup effects that they used for Paul <laughs> Bettany. Yeah. Okay. He looked like the Fantastic Four villain Molecule Man. All right? <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not sure what Molecule Man looks like, look it up. He could be cast in the FF movie, for all I know, right? So. Or are you referring to the, uh, the They Might Be Giant song, uh, Triangle Man? <laughs> 
Particle man. But, Particle man. Yeah, but you're, but you're right. Like it, it seemed like at times the makeup was supposed to like change with his mood. Because it felt like sometimes when he was angry, it would get red. Other times it didn't do it, though. Like, it wasn't even consistent, like, what it was supposed to be doing. I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be doing either. Right. Yeah. And quite possibly with the adjustment of the character from a CGI character to a fleshed-out character, they probably couldn't figure out exactly where to go with him, you know, exactly how to make him, quote-unquote, exotic enough, you know, to be this crazy gangster. Well, if you think about it, you know, now that you mentioned the idea that he was a CG character who they decided to cast, you know, a, a living being, he's the opposite of Jabba then. <laughs> he was originally cast as a person in CG later. So, you know, so it's, so it's, he, he's, uh, you know, the mirror Jabba. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'm going to paint in this movie, uh, just like uh, Sam was saying with that, in like Jamie was saying with the extraness, some of the characters were very inconsistent in their roles. You know, you had, you had them like making really inappropriate jokes and then being very serious. You had them being really heartfelt and then, you know, they would, they would turn on a dime almost. You couldn't quite peg a couple of them, you know? And, and one of the ones is probably one of my more favorite scenes in the movie, you know, is L3. It was like James says, a great character portrayed beautifully on screen by Phoebe Waller Tate. Uh, what's Bridge? I think yeah. She just at times you didn't know whether it was just you know Wheezy Jefferson character <laughs> or like you know Stifler from American Pie. <laughs> you know, you, I didn't know where she was going. <laughs> Yeah, that that's definitely a Lord Miller character, not a Ron Howard character. Yeah, um, and, and I think you know, as much as I enjoyed seeing Kessel and the things that happened there, I think the Robot Revolt was kind of just a little clunky at times. It was like, what is going on here? It, it wasn't really defined. I I think that would have played better if it been more of like an Ocean's Eleven type heist. Yeah. Yeah. Than the absolute chaos it turned into yeah and i think that's probably what it was going for but then you know she just went bonkers popping restraining bolts off of these droids and <laughs> you know go uh, go overthrow your masters <laughs> okay that's a great idea you know let's, let's let's go do this but it's like you're throwing a revolt but you're not really sure what you're revolting <laughs> well i've got another uh pan here um there were too many callbacks I'm just, they were trying too hard. I mean, a couple of them are real groaners. Like, what's your last name? I don't have one. We'll just call you Solo. I'm like, oh, come on. That was probably the most notable groan-worthy yeah. scene in this movie. Uh, yeah, but there was a lot of callbacks. Probably 60% of them are okay, and the other yeah. 40 are just like, what? Yeah. There's a couple of good ones. Yeah. Uh, and, and another one that the one that just I'm just tired of I'm tired of the dice. I mean, right? <laughs> it's just I get it. There were dice in like a scene in Empire or something. Like we don't need this legendary background history of the weird dice. Uh, I, I just I don't need it. I'm tired of it. Can we let the dice go? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like I want to be like Korshak. Oh 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 oh! Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter. Actually, the dice that we see being portrayed in this movie and The Last Jedi are gold. 
with Arobesh markings on them. If you look in the original Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, they're silver with the indentations of the actual one through six numberings. Different mm-hmm. dice, but they've tried to retcon it as being a gold set with Arobesh on them. When you, if you look back, unless they went back and digitally tweaked them, they were silver with the dots on them. You never know. He could have the and, I, <laughs> and, and there I also is your think, nerds. This is where we get our official title. <laughs> that's right. I was getting ready to say. I think we found our new nerdiest moment on this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, does it? Does it strike you as kind of weird too? Like these were super important to him and Kira, and now he's giving them to Leia. I'm like, oh, that's like passing on an engagement ring. That's not something you really do. <laughs> yeah. I like the strike. You know, it makes that scene in the last Jedi kind of weird now. You know, well, and actually, Luke about... gave them to Leia, but uh, you do see, you know, I, 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 and that's why they did that to to bridge this with the sequel trilogy, you know, to bridge these two movies yeah, together. Correct. That's that's the only reason those were there. You know, and you're you're talking about you know this idea of callbacks, and and this movie had a lot. You know, it's almost like they felt they were tasked to explain it all in movie okay we've got to set everything up right mm-hmm. yeah the the surname solo that was a bit of a groaner you know then they threw in oh you're you know to beckett oh you're you're the guy that killed rs Singh, mm-hmm. and they mentioned felucia and black spire even yeah black spire outpost is it Disney's Galaxy's Edge. So Disney was already laying the foundation for Galaxy's Edge in Solo. Okay, and and isn't it the uh, is Black Sun? Is that the uh, thing? Oh, that Black involves... Sun's from uh, Shadows of the Empire. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the mud planet that they're having the battle on, Mimbom. That's a uh, Clone Wars callback. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, I forgot on that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then you got awesome. Chewy, Chewy playing hollow chess for the first time. So we mm-hmm. gotta get that in there. No, we no, no, pull the arms off of somebody. We gotta pull the arms off somebody. We got Lando's <laughs> skiff guard outfit showing up. Yep, a little much. It was just kind of like, what can we throw at the wall? Let's see what sticks. <laughs> you know? okay, and not be a lot anything. of the. Got a question for you. Lando Skiffcart costume. Who wore it better? Lando or Woody? I think if Billy D. Williams put it on, he always wore it better than any, any, any that's how every discussion goes. If Billy D. Williams wore something that somebody else wore, Billy D. Williams wore it better. Billy wore it better. <laughs> but the, the 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 thing that uh Harrelson didn't do was pull the mask down so mask much. Down. That's true. See, so he, he actually had it as, as a disguise. He didn't pull it out and go, Hey, I'm begging. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't have the rock and stash he needed to show off. Yeah. That's true. That's if I looked like Billy Williams, I wouldn't be hiding my face either. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. Uh, but really, I mean, for the most part, the, the rest of this movie is pretty solid as far as, you know, effects go, as far as visuals and, and even the story. I had I had trouble with with my pants. I mean, just I mean, there's a few moments where Donald Glover's too much, and there's too many callbacks. But like, I was talking to my wife. I'm like, I couldn't think. I couldn't really think of anything to pant. A whole like, lot. No, there's not a great deal. No, nah, I mean, like Return of the Jedi was yeah. easy. 
I mean, we got the <laughs> stupid teddy bear revolution. I mean, that was easy to pan that. Uh, nothing jumped out like that in this movie. I mean, it doesn't have the heights that Return of the Jedi had. But the lo- there's no lows in Correct. this movie, really. I think I'm going to throw out one more pen, and I think I'll be ready to move on. Uh, Lady Proxima. I was not a fan. I dug no. the street urchin. I dug the, the the whole underworld with them having to scrap for everything, but I was not a fan of her, even though I love the actress playing her, at least vocally, Linda Hunt. Uh, is just this yeah. great, creepy character actor. But the portrayal of that character and what she was doing was just to, you know, I'm holding a thermal detonator. No, you're not. It's a rock. I was expecting one to say, you know, Dude, you you got two empty hands of coconuts beating them together, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, that was kind of a weak scene. Yeah, um, Lady Proxima was not my favorite of all the you know all the great characters and characterizations in this. Lady Proxima stood out. Even just the effects, mm-hmm. all the other effects in this movie look good. I mean, she looked like a puppet from the Dark Crystal stuck in the middle of this movie now. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is true. And I and I love Dark Crystal. Don't get me wrong, but every everything looked like that. You had it's this real way. You had this well-made movie, and then you had this what looked like this puppet you know, worm, whatever looking creature stuck in here. And I'm just like, what? No, that doesn't, doesn't work for me. So. Yeah. That felt like a, very much like a Lord Miller scene. The more, the more than, than a Ron Howard scene. Like that didn't, that didn't feel Ron Howard to me at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I could, I could see how some adjustment needed to have been made there probably to make that play out even as well as it did. Okay, guys, are we ready to move on to our awards? Yeah, I didn't have much to paint. I'm good. All righty. We'll be back in one moment with our awards. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. All right, and we're back with our awards, and we didn't address our title for pans. If the if the fans are the fannies, are the pans the panties? I don't know. We got to workshop this. Um, I, I, I've got the, I've got the solution for the pan. <laughs> it's the pansies. The pansies. <laughs> uh, well, let's yeah. give out some awards. We can do that. Uh, we've, uh, we've worked on that for a year, almost a year now. So, <laughs> so okay, for the first one, best performance. I think I think there's a clear answer here, a right answer. And I'm curious if anybody gives a wrong answer. I, I, I think agree. I think, I think there is one answer that is correct for best performance in this. I agree with you all, and that is Jonas Suetamo. <laughs> best performance. How do I hang up? As Chewbacca. <laughs> Best performance in the whole movie. Sam, Sam, you know how you found your way into this business? Found your way up <laughs> no, that, that's a good answer, though. Here he is really no, he, he, are, he was a great, great and Those were big shoes to fill, literally and figuratively. That's right. <laughs> he even, I mean, like at times, he was trying to do the, um, because, and Peter May, Mayhew had like a strange gait. Like it was, he walked, he, he walked, around, and it felt like he was even trying to do that at times. Yes, but but that was the wrong answer, sir. 
Um, I, I know, but that, that was mine. So I just wanted to go ahead and throw it out there first. Now you all can go ahead and uh, continue. Alden Ehrenreich had the hardest job in this movie. He had to fill the shoes of Harrison Ford, playing an iconic character, Han Solo. Um, and, he, and he did it. He pulled it off. And at times, I, I forgot about Harrison Ford. I was just watching him be Han Solo. And I did not think that was possible. And he pulled it off. You know, the only thing they didn't do in this movie was show Han get the scar on his chin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if they had done that. They were saving that for the second movie in the trilogy. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you gotta they explain how they got the scar and how his hair got straightened out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you got to save something for later. But I, I totally, one hundred percent, agree with uh, with Jamie there. Alden, you know, you can't really forget about Harrison Ford, but you can buy this guy's Han Solo so much that he's not looming over the role, you know. And and that's what we really did. I know there's been a lot of discussions of recasting uh, Star Wars characters, most notably Carrie Fisher with her passing. Uh, or, you know, with, with future reboots possibly recasting, you know, the whole crew, Han, Luke, Leia, Tarkin, everybody. Um, but Alden really, really owned this character, I feel. Uh, Are you still going with Jonas, Sam? I'm still going best performance there. Okay. I'll make up later. I, 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 I agree. <laughs> I agree. I mean, Jonas, Jonas deserves a, a lot yeah. of, of love there. Okay. <laughs> Next up, we have best scene. Okay. I want to, I want to say Dwayne's for him. Can I say Dwayne's for him? Go for it. The space battle in Kessel. <laughs> there were ships in space shooting things. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne's favorite thing on the planet. That is close, <laughs> but not correct. I do love the Kessel Run, and I'm glad we got to see that. Uh, but I'll tell you my favorite scene. My favorite scene was the initial, was the first time that that Han was in the cockpit going to light speed. The look of joy on his face. I mean, and, and you know, it's still on brand. It's a ship in space. So... <laughs> You know, uh, but yeah, I just, I mean, the Kessel Run was was right there until I really bought into, uh, you know, Alden Ehrenreich's face when he sees the stars stretch out and swirl in the hyperspace. And a beautiful story about that, uh, when they filmed that, they actually had the, the, the LCD screens in the windows and the character sitting in the cockpit. And they turned that effect on and just filmed their reactions. So that's, that's a long way be... from uh, a long way from three guys shaking a cockpit, right? <laughs> right. True. True. Really. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, my, my best scene is, is kind of a similar scene. I had a, I, I had a, a small moment that wasn't enough to be a scene was with Han and Chewie when they're first on the ship and they're kind of out on that railing after they've had their awkward shower. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed that one, but it was 
but also it was also a bad moment because they had that weird thing about why he calls him Chewy, and I didn't like that. So they disqualified it. They had that, it was one of the worst callbacks in the movie. Oh, I was so I, wanting, wanting to write down Han and Chewie's uh, cuddle, cuddling scene. <laughs> uh, my, but my, my, my favorite scene in the movie is the opening car chase. Um, mm. It's just so exciting, and I, I've, I've, I've got a soft spot for car chases. As much as Dwayne loves the outer space, you know, space battles, I love car chases, man. I love... My favorite things in Born. I love the movie Ronin because it's basically a ninety-minute car chase. Um, <laughs> I just I love car chases, and this is a it's a great one. And you can kind of see Hans like recklessness. You can see he's willing to try crazy stuff and not always pull it off. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it just feels like there's a lot going on there, and it's and it's and it's, it's exciting. I mean, I don't have great reasons. I just it makes me smile. Well, that's all. <laughs> all that's, right, that's, that's a great answer. Yeah. So. For me, best scene was Kessel Run. Thank you, Falcon in the mall with the Kessel Run. You know, it was great to see this. It it was everything I wanted it to be. Um, You know, and and it brought back a lot of memories. When I was in my uh, early 20s, I had some buddies, and we would go over to Logan and there was an Ames and a, and a, uh, a little video store where we would go and ch- buy VHS tapes and stuff. And to get there was this little windy road. And we would actually see, unfortunately, how quickly we could get there on this little windy road. <laughs> and we would call it the Kessel Run. And we would take turns, whoever was driving, to see if they could beat the other's time. <laughs> So, you know, to do the Kessel Run was, was, was that. But to actually see it on screen and to see Han, you know, do the Kessel Run, to me, that, that was worth every minute uh, of the little things I groaned at. So, yeah. 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 And I, I, love, I love the moment, too, where the lights come on and they see the thing with this eye looking at him. <laughs> and then they just keep being more eyes, like – like, what movie is it? it turned into like some kind of weird Cthulhu horror movie for like a, for like 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was a really neat uh, reference back to the, you know, I guess the space slug in the asteroid. You have this strange creature out living amongst all these black holes and space debris. Yeah. yeah pretty cool. Pretty cool. So that wraps up our best scene. Next we have best quote. I want I want to go first on this one because it's not the right answer and y'all are gonna have better answers so we can just go I'll go ahead and throw mine out and then y'all can give better answers so okay. I I I don't know why it makes me laugh every time and it's the thing it's the one line that sticks out to me the most that's when Rio says I'm telling you you will never have a deeper sleep than curled up in a Wookiee's lap <laughs> I love that I love that did you say Wookiee or Wookiee All right, tell me, give, give a better answer. All right, Dwayne, what do you think? What was your best quote? Uh, my best quote, um, I love when Han um, is is meeting Lando playing cards, and Lando starts off with the calling him Han. Everybody else is calling him Han. He's calling him Han. He's just messing with him. And, and Han says, you know, I've heard heard something about you. Is it true? I just want to know if it's true. And he just leans back and says, everything you've heard about me is true. <laughs> that is that's that's my favorite and probably the most authentic Billy D moment he has oh yes, yeah true. Most and, and I love how he's just messing with him he says he says Han he says it's Han he said yeah Han 
You know, just that whole interaction, but that quote in particular, yeah, yeah, you can believe it if you've heard it, boy. <laughs> Sammy, what do you oh, mean? so best quote, I'm staying on brand. Okay, I said my best scene was the Kessel Run. Best quote for me is that dialogue between Han and Chewie. I just did the Kessel Run at twelve parsecs, Chewie. <laughs> Hey, not if you round down, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. I thought about that. That one. was a Han Solo line, right? That was a Han Solo. Not if you round down. <laughs> I could see that coming out of Harrison Ford's face. I mean, oh, yeah. that was so perfectly Han Solo. Yeah. Very, well, this is how you look so. at it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know we have a lot of classic characters, and we have a lot of new characters um next what is our favorite character sammy i i try to i try to guess what you all are going to say to these things right um, i've got a hunch who i think you're going to say but i think you're going to swerve and so i'm really curious what you're going to say who was your best character for this one all right favorite character like i said best performance with the chew that favorite character is han so, <laughs> like we said, Alden Ehrenreich did just such a good job embodying, embodying this character and becoming this young version of Han Solo. And that really worked. So, mm-hmm. Well, I, I went in a little bit different direction. Um, he's not he, – the guy I'm picking is not a good person. <laughs> he's <laughs> – He's a kind of a terrible person, um, but I just found him fascinating. Um, I love Beckett in this movie. I, I love that he's kind of like a proto Han Solo. Like a lot of the things that Han becomes, Beckett already is. But I love the contrast though. There's things that Beckett will do that Han never becomes. So I love the, the so there's right. like, like the comparison. There's also some contrast there. I mean the the ruthlessness that Beckett mm-hmm. had. Han wouldn't go there. And and, ne- and never never fell to those depths. So I just loved that contrast. And Woody Harrelson's awesome. Yeah, Woody Harrelson's great. And Beckett really has probably one of the other best quotes in the movie when he says, never trust anyone. Yep. You know, everyone is out to get you. Never trust anyone. And that really tells about his character. And I'm kind of like, I'm kind of with Jamie. I went with a character whose, t- whose name wasn't in the title. You know, this is Solo. So, of course, you know, Han's want to be the focus point. Uh, but, you know, with Solo, you've got to have his classic foil to, you know, it has to be a strong character. So I'm, I'm born Lando. You know, the Han's Hans foil, Lando. And, you know, okay. I, I guess even, you know, what we see in this movie could be what he responds to Chewie about, you know, when they're landing on Cloud City. Well, I'm sure he's forgotten that by now. You know, because we've always wondered what has Lando forgotten? What was this big thing? You know, for for you know wrecking his ship, for you know winning his ship from him. You know, or was there something else going on? So, you know, as wrecking as of right now, you know, wrecking his cage. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm sticking Lando. That's a good one. Now we now we like talked a lot about how there's like too many callbacks and some groaners. I think we should give an award to the best connection. So this Dwayne, what's your best one? 
this is a very, very good award, I think, and I think it's appropriate for this movie because it is so rife with callbacks, and so many of them can be questionable. Uh, mine uh, is from a scene on Kessel that uh, I don't know if you could call it back to the original trilogy or just a connection to larger Star Wars in general, but when Kira goes into the room to quote-unquote negotiate with the uh, with the representative from Kessel there and uh, L three is watching her through the uh, window just just tear this guy to pieces and she comes out she says what was that she says that's Terrace Kasi and it's a fighting style that uh, uh, Dryden Voss taught her and Terrace Kasi was a video game for the PlayStation way back I'm thinking PlayStation two possibly one. But there was a fighting game sort of akin to Virtua Fighter, uh, Tekken, Mortal Kombat with Star Wars characters called Masters of Terrace Kasi. That was my mm. callback. Okay, if if anyone listening is playing the Nerds of the Roundtable drinking game, where you take a drink every time every time Dwayne mentions the Star Wars EU, you're hammered by this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I'm, I'm going to jump on something that Sammy said earlier. Um, my best connection was making sense of the 12 parsec Kessel run because that's, that never made sense. It was a, it was a mistake and misunderstanding because a parsec is a measure of distance, not speed. Exactly. But now it makes sense. And I, I'm glad that little, you know, a little thing you could criticize Star Wars for is gone. And so I, I love that they fixed that. So Sammy, what was your? <laughs> you know, okay. This my OT connection is probably a little bit of headcanon, but I think it's also a subtle connection. Okay, so let's think back in Empire Strikes Back. Three PO says something to the effect that the Falcon has a peculiar dialect. Yes. <laughs> okay. We yep. now know why L3 was downloaded into the nav computer. <laughs> so this would explain completely why 3PO would be completely confused by <laughs> the nav computer. Okay. That I said part of that might be headcanon, but as soon as I heard that, I went back to 3PO's line. So and I, I just agree. Thought, so I, I think that. too. So I think a lot of times too, like when the when the hyperdrive doesn't work and they have to fight with it, I, I think maybe that's L three messing with them. I think that's the way they're explaining <laughs> that too. <laughs> she needs Lando to do that thing again. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> She's holding he looks it so uncomfortable hand. when he looks so uncomfortable when she says that. I'm gonna need you to do that thing again. He's like, okay. <laughs> There's people on board. <laughs> How does that work? I love that. How does that work? Oh, it works. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Amelia Clark made the best face, too. Yeah. And, and then all on, just her voice was perfect to deliver those lines. Absolutely. You know, just, just the cadence by which she delivers. I mean, I don't know if anybody else really could have hit the, the, the points that she needed to to make those lines work. So. Yeah. True, true that very much. Jamie, we know how this movie connects to the original trilogy. 
But how does this movie connect to the coolest man in the galaxy right here, right now? Not a long time ago, not very far away, but right here, right now. Keanu Reeves. Where, how does this movie connect to our Keanu? All right. So a lot of this cast is fairly new. Um, some of them have done mostly TV work. And so I was prepared to have to do a lot of work. And then I remembered there was one person in this movie can I interject, please, real quick? Please, sure. let Woody, please let it be Woody Harrelson. Go ahead. Well, that that was when I realized I was like, because I was dreading, like, man, all the rocks been anything. Amelia Clark's only been on TV. I was like, wait, Woody Harrelson's in this movie. So I immediately went to Woody Harrelson's page. It's Woody Harrelson. He's our Keanu connection. So yes. yes. And so he's went from being the Cheers doofus to being Carnage now to the Colonel in the Apes movies. Um, natural born killers who saw that coming um, but in the midst of all of these other roles fabulous roles he was co-starring with Keanu in A Scanner Darkly and that is this week's Keanu Connection easiest Keanu Connection I've done in the whole year we've been podcasting Yeah, that was that was <laughs> right there on, on, the, on the top and I'm so so glad that it was him um, I was so hoping it would be him, and that movie has truly been on my radar for so long. And I'm gonna—I I believe I'm gonna search it out tonight and watch it this weekend. I haven't seen it yet. It looks super weird. Yeah, it looks really weird, really cool. But there's a lot of great people in. It. I mean, you got Keanu, you got Woody. I believe Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Uh, lots of cool, cool. Winona Ryder, I think, is in it too. Yeah, I love love Winona. Well, guys. Now it comes to the time in our show when we tell each other a little story in about a hundred seconds of something that we've enjoyed here lately, hopefully to sell something to ourselves and our audience. I think you just made it weird, Dwayne. I think I did. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm good at that. (laughs) Speaking of which, when we saw Solo in the theaters, Dwayne and I went together and um, he plopped himself down in my my lap. So... (laughs) I think it's appropriate Dwayne is still making Solo weird. But. <laughs> By the way, my wife was sitting next to me when he did it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> let me pull up my clock. I'm sorry. Um, I'm almost ready, guys. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Talking about. Okay. Who wants to go first? Who's ready? I'm good to go. All right. Knock it out. All son. right. All right. So for my Keeping It 100, uh, I went with another of my fandoms, okay? You've heard me talk a lot about DC, but I am also a huge Doctor Who fan, okay? And recently, uh, actually this past January, a book was Scratch Man. Now, I've read a lot of Doctor Who novels, but this one was written by Tom Baker himself, the fourth Ooh. doctor. So that youthful nostalgia that I grew up on because he was my first was there. The great part is originally this was a movie script and it's been floating around for 40 years. <laughs> Baker and Ian Martyr, who played uh, Harry Sullivan at, in, on the show, actually put this together 40 years ago. And with a little help from James Goss, they got it together, put it into uh, novel form and it released. 
And it was really interesting. Baker knows this doctor inside and out, how to make it sound. Plus, it's my Sarah Jane. Elizabeth Slade and Sarah Jane Smith will always be my favorite companion. So check it out. Doctor Who Scratch Man. Scratch Man. Sounds really neat. Scratch Man. Alrighty, Jamie, are you ready or you want me to knock this one out? I am ready. Okay, sir, let me grab back to my timer. Ready, set, go. Alright, I watched um, this past week King Arthur Legend of the Sword. Um, it's a weird flick. Um, I, I think giving uh, Guy Ritchie the keys to a King Arthur movie was... An interesting decision. I'm not sure he's the best guy for it, but we got an interesting movie out of it. Um, it is a stupendously strange movie. I mean, the the special effects are weird. I mean, line deliveries are... I mean, I don't know what some of the people were doing, um, but it's worth watching the movie to see Jude Law. Jude Law is it's one of the best villain performances I've ever seen. He's amazing. There's a couple of weird moments, too. Even he gets a little weird, but he gets to show off. I mean, like, Jude, I mean, I think Jude Law is one of our best actors. I don't think he gets enough credit. Um, I think he makes some strange decisions what movies to be in, but he's amazing in this movie. Um, it's an interesting take on uh, the Arthur mythology. Like, we've got Street Thug King Arthur. Um, but the the first hour of this movie is really good. The second hour is just really weird. Um I'm not saying it's an amazing movie. I think it's worth a watch. And that's my keeping it 100. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Okay, well, that's interesting. I've, I've heard mixed things about that movie, and most of them are, are in line with what you're saying. Half it's of it's strange. really good. Half of it's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Guy, Guy Ritchie is kind of known for that. I mean, even his Sherlock Holmes movies with Jude Law and – you know, Robert Downey Jr., there were great points about it. They could get weird in some places, too. You know, and I think that's just maybe a, a guy thing. Yeah. I mean, he, he makes weird flicks. I mean, I mean, I, I like Snatch. I think Snatch is a, is a fun movie. It's even weird. You know, there's weird stuff in that movie. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. but, yeah, King Arthur's already weird enough without having to import any weirdness onto it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Guys, I am ready when you are. Okay. And three, two, one, go. All right. This week, I'm going to review another Audible original Stanley's Alliances, A Trick of Light. Uh, this is an original uh, story to kind of developed by Stanley and taken over. Um, about electronics, how we interact and have our lives on electronic devices. Uh, how many likes can I get? How can I get popular? What do I want people to portray me as? And how we interact with these devices. Um, the kid is struck by lightning out on Lake Erie. And he's doing this during a live YouTube stream. So then he goes from like 12 followers to a million, the kid who was struck by lightning. Well, in this, he gets superpowers and winds up going on this great adventure. It's a single narrator 
story. It does have uh, you know sound effects and things. The narrator is a young lady. There's not a wide range of voices that she has, so it takes you a little bit of time to figure out who is who in her characters, but it's really worth sticking with and going through to the end. It's a very interesting take on who's good, who's bad, how we interact electronically and online and how we can develop and change our presences there. Very interesting story. Stanley's alliances, a trick of light. That's cool. All right, so those were our quests we're recommending to our listeners. But we've got another quest for the nerds coming up. And, Dwayne, we had an argument about this a long time ago. Um, we had a disagreement on our very first episode that we released. <laughs> we both we both love The Matrix. You have more fondness for the sequels than I do. <laughs> <laughs> This is true, and, and it was a discussion whether she, whether we should revisit those or not. And I kept pushing back on the schedule. The Matrix sequels, I think, got moved three or four times. <laughs> mm-hmm. I kept complaining and doing it, beginning to push it back. And then I think after Sammy came aboard, I think we took it off the schedule entirely at that point. Yeah. And so but with some events upcoming and some things, some some schedule juggling, a uh, Hopefully we're going to be able to release a special edition episode here very soon. So this opens up a spot for us to kind of plug something in. So after much beating about the head, Nick, uh, Jamie has agreed <laughs> to watch the Matrix uh, sequels. And, um, and so far, Sammy's been kind of coy. He hasn't really showed his cards yet on what he uh, thinks about the Matrix sequels yet. So yeah, I'm, well, I'm well, we do now. know. We do know for sure as of right now, he doesn't own the third one. That's so I correct. That's, I do not. I think that speaks a little <laughs> to the situation here that we're in. So kind of interested in what, what's coming up with that. If you guys would like it, you know, just maybe check those out or you know, think back if you had fond or not so fond memories uh, of those. Uh, and we will be discussing those on our next review episode. We look forward to you guys uh, checking that out and uh, hopefully our news episode in the interim in between there. And uh, so uh, please continue to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we, we love having the interactions there. Uh, lots of fun posts happening all the time. And guys, Anything else we need to say? Keep it nerdy.